So I was having a little bit of a panic attack yesterday, like a little stressful in our episode. You want me to tell you why? Why? Because as you were talking about an unsolved case, you said the name and I was like, oh my God, where did this happen? Because I, I knew somebody by that name that fit the description of the person that you were talking about. And I was like, quiet and going, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. How, how weird or unsettling it would it be to be talking about an unsolved case and... The suspect be somebody you know? Be somebody, yeah. Eek, no thank you. I know, I was like, and even after, even after we were done, I was like, I'm going to go double check that. <laughs> but I was like... That would be my worst nightmare right there. When I was telling the story, like, your eyes, I said the name and your eyes did this, like, really crazy thing. And I was like, <laughs> uh-oh, what happened? What's going on? <laughs> uh, have you, have you ever known a murder? I mean, probably. I mean, like, okay, but you don't knowingly have known a murder. So in my field, obviously. I was like, I don't know. Maybe. Obviously, in my field, I have talked to and been around people who have com- committed actually pretty pretty horrible murders. Um, I've prevented murders in my field. I have, um, there is, my one, my one of my sons, my oldest son, um, knew this guy really well. Super, super great guy. Like, this kid... And he was a kid. I mean, he had been in my home around my children, eating dinner at my dinner table. I talked to him, given him rides places, got him jobs. Like, I loved this kid. Absolutely loved this kid. And he is actually on trial now for a pretty gruesome murder. But even even when he was charged with it, I was like, there is no stinking way. And I work in this field, Samantha. Isn't it kind of wild, though? I think it's honestly a little bit scarier when you see those interviews with people that know the person are like, they're a great kid. What are yeah. you talking about? I think that makes it honestly scarier. Well, people change. You in, don't know. People adapt to their situation and people, I don't know, but it's it's bizarre. And then I... I went to school with um, Victor Madrid, who was um, charged with, convicted, and serving time for the murder of, I think she was like 93 years old, 96 years old, um, murdering somebody else. So over the course of my life, I have interacted with multiple people who have been convicted of murder, who have done some pretty horrific things. And I have chosen, I mean, either personally or professionally. And even um, professionally, there are some people who have come to try and get services from me that I've turned away. Not because of what they did, because it's what we do, right, in the field. But, you know, for whatever reason. But I had a lady one time come in for an intake who had just gotten out of prison for manslaughter she had murdered her husband in his sleep with a steak knife oh wow and she claimed self-defense but when she came in and was doing her intake and we were talking about you know the offense the way she spoke about it I was just like yeah no I'm not working with you because it was just like completely dismissed as yeah I stabbed him and and it's like mm. Yeah, I don't know about. I don't know you stabbed him in this in his sleep. You couldn't have left. You couldn't have. 
you know, anyway. <clears throat> Wild. But but it was it was crazy yesterday doing that and then re- you know like looking into it more last night just making sure. <laughs> like, do I know you? That I, I was like know. that would be absolutely wild to be hearing a case because I don't know the cases that you bring to me or that we do on this because you want my reaction to it and so right. we don't communicate prior to recording what the cases are or what we're going to be talking about and it would be absolutely wild. If you said one and I was like, oh shit, I know that person. Yeah. That would be, I'd be like, okay, we've got to, we'll be right back. I got to make a phone call to, to the, the Indiana State Police here. Yeah, give me a second. Wait, uh, I've talked about this in, in session or whatever. But anyway, it just made me wonder, you know, like sure if we actually. Sure, deep enough. Well, if we actually think about, I wonder how many times, and maybe there's a statistic, and maybe I'll look this up and research this a little bit, but I wonder, in our lifetimes, how many interactions we have with someone who has committed murder or been a part of that that we don't even know. I think there, well, because there's the statistic that there is, like, actively in the United States, like, at a time, four to five serial killers that are active in the United States at a time. Mm-hmm. So, which doesn't seem like a whole lot, but that's a lot of serial killers. Well, serial killers, but I mean, but also that's serial killers. If you think about people who like one shot Joes, you know that mm-hmm. that do it one time, and I don't know. I just it would be interesting. It would be interesting because there's like you said. I mean, a lot of times, a lot of times after somebody does something that is absolutely horrific, and then people that know them are like, what? Yeah. Or especially like in big cities, like how many people you just pass by, you don't know what they're doing. Right. Or sat next to on a bus or worked sat with next to it. On a plane. Or, or even worse, like me, like that kid that I was talking about, he had dinner. He was around my children. He, I fed him. I yeah. had, and I'm, and I work in this field and I had no clue. Wild. No clue. Even when he was in jail and called me, I was like, there's no way. There's no way. How are you capable of this? How did this happen? It's wild. What led to this? Because this is, what the heck? Wild. And it wasn't like heat of the moment, I'm just going to pull a trigger. I mean, it was like calculated, planned out. Murder. Kidnapping over three state lines. Like, it was intense. And I was like, I, wow. Wow. Anyway. I think that's why, too, like we say... It's important to tell as many stories as we can because even especially the unsolved ones, if you felt like that from just an episode that we did, somebody out there could be listening that... Well, that's the hope. Right. And there have been, there have been multiple cases that have been solved. This is true. Multiple cases that have been solved because podcasters are doing what podcasters are doing. People, news, people talk about it. When you start talking about it... And like you said, just like the reaction I had, hold on a second. I need to go and look at that. Wait a minute. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting. Just food for thought this food morning. That's, that's what I think so about keep it. listening. At five keep o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm Tracy. I'm Samantha. This is The Suspended Sentence. So what did you bring me today? Hopefully nobody I know. I don't think so. Okay, good. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about Conrad, uh, Conrad Roy. Okay. The third... Uh, so this one, 
man, I don't even, I don't even know. This is a suicide that I want to know what your thoughts are after covering everything on. Somebody was charged, though, for his suicide. Oh. So, that's I want to kind of cover this. And this one does have a lot, like, I will read quite a few text messages because it's very important to see what happened here. So jumping right in, Conrad Roy III was born September 12th, 1995 in Massachusetts. Your age. Yep. He worked with his father, grandfather, and his uncle for several years at his fam the family's marine salvage business, so on boats. And Tucker Roy, um, was it was called Tucker Roy Marine Towing and Salvage. So if bo boats broke down, they'd go out and do yeah. repairs and stuff in the New England area. So in the spring of 2014, he earned his captain's license and, um, from the Northwest Marine Time Institute by completing three months of night classes. In June of 2014, he graduated with honors, or so on the honor roll from Ro Old Rochester Regional High School, and was a student, uh, student athlete who played basketball, rode crew, ran track, and graduated with a 3.88 GPA. Wow, good for him. Mm -hmm. He was accepted to Fitchburg State University to study business, which unfortunately he would never attend. So Michelle Carter is the other person that we're going to be paying attention to in this case. She was born August 11th, 1996 in Massachusetts to Gail and David Carter. She went to King Philip Regional High School. Uh, so in 2014, just a little bit about her. She was, I'm going to say this wrong, so you're going to have to help me. She was prescribed... Oh, I got to put on my glasses because <laughs> I'm old. References to old. Citra Lapram, which is Celexa. Okay. So she was prescribed Celexa for her anxiety and her depression. So Carter and Conrad um, met in Florida in 2012. They were both actually on vacation visiting family members when they met, but then realized, oh my gosh, we're both from Massachusetts. And only lived about 35 miles away from each other. Cool. So, they would only meet each other in person a handful of times over the course of the next two years. But they did start a romantic relationship. Oh, cute. So, according to court documents, Conrad had been allegedly um, physically abused by his father and verbally abused by his grandfather. And had attempted suicide in October of 2012 after the divorce of his parents. So, both... both people in this situation have diagnosed depression anxiety going on after learning that he was planning which on so does millions of other people who live completely functional lives without i think it's almost impossible to live in 2023 without having some sort of yeah anxiety or depression yeah so i mean we're not talking about i'm not saying that it isn't significant but it isn't worrisome right so after learning that he was planning on killing himself, um, Conrad or Carter repeatedly discouraged him from doing so in 2012, from 2012 until 2014, and encouraged him to get professional help. However, her attitude did change in July of 2014 when she started thinking that it would be a good time for him to die. What? Yep. In June, um, Roy texted Carter suggesting that they act like Romeo and Juliet, implying that they both should agree to kill themselves. Roy struggled with social anxiety and depression, for which he had been seeing several therapists and counselors, including cognitive behavioral therapists, in the weeks leading up to his death. 
He had been hospitalized for um, an overdose at the age of 17 and had been talking to um, another girl. So him and him and Michelle had been together, but he was talking to another girl who that he had met in group therapy who he had told he was going to try and kill himself and she called the police and they arrived after he had overdosed. Good for her. So like uh, Michelle, he had also been taking the antidepressant, the same antidepressant, Selexapro, which carries a boxed warning stating that it may increase suicidal thinking and behavior in those under the age of 24. Yep. In 2016, uh, the judge that refused the defense's request for funds to hire an expert on Selexa, describing that that was speculative. So... I don't know, like, I think antidepressants a lot of the time are very helpful, but I don't know enough on that for, I mean, obviously, there's research on that if they're saying it's dangerous in people under the age of 24, is that just because your mind isn't, like, your brain isn't fully developed, or? Well, we've talked about this before on previous episodes, and it's not speculative. I mean, it is speculative, but it isn't speculative. We don't know. Nobody knows. And nobody can predict how a person's body, mind, biological makeup is going to react to any given drug at any given dose at any given time under any given circumstances. There are so many variables to that equation that it's unsolvable. Mm -hmm. So... They they make those warnings and they say those things can cause suicidal tendencies in people under the age of 25 because there's evidence that sustains that. Right. That's not just put there to avoid lawsuits in the future. That's put there because in some cases, in some people with some biological makeups, it makes people more suicidal. But we, we talked about this, I think, in the Elisa Lamb episode where... That's why it's so very difficult for doctors or medical professionals to provide the right kind of medication because there, because there are all of these variables and it takes a great deal of time and patience, time. I mean, I'm talking years, Samantha, sometimes to get the right dosage of the right kind of medication to effectively treat any disorder, any medical ailment anything and so for the judge to at least not hear it i i think is probably a little irresponsible with his position you know is it speculative we don't know i mean you can't prove that the medication made him more suicidal he was suicidal before he was suicidal you know on the medication it is speculative but it could be, it's a possibility, and it's a very legitimate, good possibility. Right. Does that help you understand a little yeah. bit more? Yeah, because, I don't know. So, because to me, we there's a lot of factors here, to me. There are, uh, another thing that I want to throw in here, though, is, and we talked about this, with bipolar disorder. If you, well, okay back up just a little bit, erase that I just said bipolar disorder. Any diagnosis that is made, any diagnosis, you have to be pretty damn sure that that diagnosis is the correct diagnosis because specifically 
Anxiety, depression, bipolar, they're all very similar, Samantha. Mm -hmm. Very, very similar with, with one or two things that are changing in those. And, and I've said this in episodes before, and I have seen this in clients. I've seen the research. I, you know, this is not speculative. Okay. There are some medications for anxiety and depression that will make bipolar worse. Right. There are some tendencies with bipolar medication that will make depression and anxiety worse. You have to be very, very sure in your diagnosis. Again, it takes time and it takes patience to rule out what is what and, and how things manifest with people. Mm-hmm. As many people as there are in the world, there are that many possibilities for variables. Well, so my other question too, what's the difference between a cognitive behavioral therapist and just a regular like therapist? A cognitive behavioral therapist. So what does cognitive mean? Your brain. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, it's, it's the focus. It's what they're mainly going to focus on in session. So like the makeup of your brain is kind of what they're focusing on? Yeah. So family, family therapists are different than addiction therapists, which are different. It's, it's, it's the expertise and the focus of the sessions. Gotcha. Okay. Cause it said, yeah, that he was seeing like several therapists, including a cognitive behavioral therapist just prior to mm-hmm. cognitive behavioral so it's focusing on like the way that your brain works in relation to your actions and is that normal to be seeing a cognitive behavioral therapist as you're seeing a like traditional therapist absolutely hand in hand absolutely as long as everybody is on the same page gotcha and communicating with each other when we are not being territorial and we are sharing you know a treatment plan and the treatment plan goals are uniform and the same incredibly impressively effective really? if the treatment plans are not the same and we do not have the same goal and we are not saying the same thing providing the same tools having the same follow-up we have a train wreck gotcha Okay. Well, thank you for your little... As you can understand. I mean, put this into perspective that that anybody can understand. You have mom and dad who are completely different parenting styles. Dad says that it's okay to wear risque clothes at 11 years old, wear makeup, or mom says, okay, because dad's probably wouldn't do that. (laughs) Moms say it's okay for, for, you know, 11-year-old daughter to wear risque clothes, cake on the makeup, go out without supervision, curfew is 11 o'clock, Monday through Friday, one o'clock on Saturdays, dad says, absolutely not, cover yourself, wipe that crap off your face, be at home in bed by 7.30 or whatever. If you have two different parenting styles, what happens? You have a train wreck, you have manipulation, you have lying, you have sneaking out, you have, well, dad said, or mom said, or whatever. It causes confusion, it causes uncertainty, it causes unstability instability the same thing happens with therapy or anything else when two different people that you're going to for help and guidance give you two different directions it's going to cause instability gotcha okay does that make sense yeah that makes sense thanks for letting us pick your brain on that before we and and that's just my opinion i'm not a psychiatrist i'm not you know a psychologist that's just my opinion in the things that i've seen i like it and that's not medical advice either I have to say that, I think. I think you do. I just did. (laughs) So in 2014, uh, Michelle is 17, and she sends Roy instructions on how to kill himself. 
Roy ultimately ultimately will die by suicide on July 13th, 2014, after poisoning himself with carbon monoxide fumes in his truck in a Kmart parking lot. He was 18 years old at the time of his death. In her last text to him, Carter instructed Roy to, quote, get back into the truck after he tries to stop his suicide attempt. Here, um, so I'm going to read some of the texts from the day leading up and the day of his death that were released during her trial because I think it's kind of important to see why they even thought they had a case to begin with. So you're going to kind of just have to bear with me, but it's important to the case. I think it's important. So Michelle sends a text, and this is just between Michelle and Conrad. Michelle says, Conrad, hey, you there? He says, hey, sorry, I fell asleep. She goes, it's okay. Why haven't you done it yet, though? He said, I'm too messed up. She said, what are you talking about? He goes, my head. Michelle says, you can't think about it. You just have to do it. You said you were going to do it. Like, I don't get why you, why you aren't. Let's remember through all this, this is his girlfriend, who he's been with for two years. Right. Conrad says, I don't get it either, IDK. Michelle, so I guess you aren't going to do it then. All of that for nothing. I'm just confused. Like, why, why you were so ready and determined? Conrad says, I'm going to eventually. I really don't know what I'm waiting for. I have, it every, I have everything lined up. Michelle says, no, you aren't. Or, no, you're not, Conrad. Last night was it. You keep pushing it off and say that you're say that you're going to do it, but you never do. It's always going to be that way. You just don't take action. Then she sends another text. You're just making it harder on yourself by pushing this off. You don't. Uh, you you just have to do it. He, she said another message. You going to go do it now? He says, "Isn't it too late?" Sends another message. IDK. It's already starting to get light outside. I'm going back to sleep. Love you. I'll text you tomorrow. She says, or he says. Michelle says, no question mark. It's probably the best time now because everyone is sleeping. Just go somewhere in your truck. Um, no one's really out, there, out right now because it's an awkward time. Followed up by four more text messages. If you don't, uh, if you don't do it now, you're never going to do it. Another. And you can say you'll do it tomorrow. You won't. Um, then she says an autocorrect because she spelled something wrong and then says, love you. He says, thank you. She said, for what? Doesn't get a response, so she says, are you awake? Yes. Are you going to do it today? He goes, yes, with a bunch of S's. She asks, what time of day? She said, it'll be less suspicious. You won't have to think about it too much. You'll just get it over with instead of just waiting until the night. You should do it during the day. Conrad said, yeah, then I will. Like where? Like I could go to any enclosed area. She said, go to your truck, drive into a, park, a parking lot somewhere, um, to park or something. Do it like now, early. He said, didn't we say this was suspicious? She says, no, I think tonight, the nighttime would be more suspicious. A kid sitting in his car, turn on the radio and just do it. It won't be suspicious and it won't take very long. He goes, okay. So for a little while, they go back and forth about he's hesitant. He's not sure if he wants to. He says he's going to eventually. And she's like, just get it over with. So then she sends a text that says, you're so hesitant because you keep overthinking it and pushing it off. You just need to get it done, Conrad. The more you push it off, the more this is just going to eat at you. Followed by another text from her that says, you're ready, you're prepared. All you have to do is turn on the generator and, and then you will be free and happy. No more putting it off, no more waiting, just do it. He goes, you're right. 
She said, if you want it to be as bad, if you want this as bad as you say you do, this is the time to do it. Get it done today. He says, yep, no more waiting. She goes, okay, I'm serious. Like, you can't even wait till tonight. You just have to get out there. Go and do it as soon as you get back from your walk. He says, thank you. She says, for what? And he goes, for being there for me. She said, I would never leave you. You're the love of my life, my boyfriend, my heart. I would never leave you. Love you. He goes, I love you too. Then proceeds to ask if he's back from his walk. When are you going to go kill yourself? He's like, in five minutes, I'm going to go do that. Then he sends a text and says, I'm starting to freak out again and overthinking. Michelle says, I thought you wanted this. The time is right and you're ready. You just need to do it. You can't keep living this way. You just need to do it like you did, like you said you were going to last time and not think about it, babe. You can't keep doing this every day. He says, I want to do it, but I'm freaking out for my family, I guess. I don't know. Michelle says, Conrad, I told you I will take care of your family. Everyone will take care of them to make sure that they aren't alone and people will help get help them get through it. We talked about this. They will be okay and accept your death. People who commit suicide don't think this much. They just do it. Conrad says, I know, I know. LOL. Thinking just makes me crazy. Michelle says, exactly. You just need to do it, Conrad, or I'm going to go get you help. You can't keep doing this every day. He said, okay, I'm going to do it today. She said, do you promise? He goes, I promise. She says, well, then you have to now. He goes, like right now, where would I go? And she goes, you can't make a promise to me. Just go to a quiet parking lot or something. He says, okay, Michelle, go somewhere you know you won't get caught. You can find a place. I know you can. Then she said, are you going to do it now? He said, I still have no clue. She said, not finding a place to go isn't an excuse. He goes, I know where to go. She goes, where? He goes, I'll just go to a park and ride. And he goes, that's what it's called. It's like a parking lot. She goes, gotcha. Are you going to go do it now? He said, either that or I'm going to go to the beach. She said, why would you go to the beach? He goes, well, my mom's on her way to the beach. These messages. She said, I thought you were just going to go and get it done. He said, well, my mom wants me to go to the beach with her. Then I, when I get home, I'll go do it. She goes, you promise? I'm going kayak, kayak, kayaking anyways. And he goes, haha, you love kayaking. She goes, yep, something um, I wish we could have done. He said, make sure you take your son kayaking. She said, of course I will. So then they proceed to text about kayaking for a little bit, telling each other they love each other. Then later, Conrad says, I'm in the worst pain right now. Like, this is unbearable. She said, then I think it's time for you to go and do it. Then she sends another message. Do you agree? Doesn't respond. So then she says, Conrad, please answer me. He said, I'm still at the beach with my mom. She said, oh, okay. Uh, let me know when you're leaving. So later that day, he says, okay, I'm determined. She goes, I'm very happy to hear that. He goes, I'm ready. She goes, good, because it's the time and you know it, babe. She said, when you get home, uh, you just have to get it done. You're determined. It's the best time. He said, okay, I will. She asks if he's back. He says, no, I'm just doing more thinking. She's annoying. Like, these messages are annoying me. I know. Like, shut up, bitch. Block. Literally. So, he says, I know where I'm going to go now. She said, where? He said, I found a parking lot that there will be no cars at at 9. And that's when. And then that the next morning I'll be found. She says, okay, perfect. When will you be home? He said, about 10 minutes. And he goes, haha, and why is that perfect? She goes, well, yeah, IDK. He goes, I just don't want to kill anybody else when I kill myself. She goes, you won't. And he goes, but what if somebody opens the car door? It's an odorless and it's colorless. I don't want anybody to get sick when they open my car door. 
She goes, you're overturning. They'll see the generator and realize that you just breathe in a bunch of CO. He goes, so should I keep it in the back seat or in the front? She goes, in the front. You could write on a piece of paper and tape it on your window like carbon monoxide or something if you're so scared about it. He goes, I was thinking that, but then somebody might see it and open the door before it actually happens. She said, well, wait till the, gen wait. the generator is going to be on. You'll be passed out. They'll know you used carbon monoxide poisoning. And then she autocorrects dead instead of passed out. He goes, is the generator loud? She said, not really. Laugh my ass off. He goes, okay, good. She said, so you're going to go do it now? He goes, well, I just got home. She goes, okay. He's like, I don't know. I'm kind of stressed about it. She said, you'll be fine. It's going to be okay. You just got to do it, babe. Can't be keep thinking about it. Please make sure you delete these messages. He goes, but you're going to keep messaging me, right? She said, I will until you turn on the generator. <sighs> so he keeps telling her that she's pro he's procrastinating. Then he stops messaging. She says, please answer me. I'm getting scared now. I love you. Please answer me. Then she goes, your sister told me you're your dad, so you're just ignoring me. I thought you actually did it. I guess I'll get you help. The following night, he goes to the parking lot, puts a generator in the front seat of his car, and gets scared and calls Michelle and says, I don't think I'm going to do, I can do this. I can't do this to my parents. And she said, get back in the truck. And he got back in the truck and was, was found the next morning. His funeral was held day, six days later on Saturday, July 19th, 2014. To the world, Michelle was a grieving girlfriend, attending his funeral service and spending time with his family, who before her death, before his death, they had never met. They didn't know she existed. She showed up at the funeral and was like, Oh, wow, I've been his girlfriend for two years. Yeah. During the investigation, police um, accessed Conrad's phone records and were surprised to see the messages from Mich Michelle encouraging him to get back into the car, as well as the last call when he was before he was pronounced dead from his time of death michelle carter was indicted on february 4th 2015 and arranged the following day in new bedford juvenile court in massachusetts on charges of involuntary manslaughter the grand jury found enough to charge her with um with acting recklessly and assisting the suicide she was 17 at the time and the court indicted her as a youthful offender rather than a juvenile meaning that she could not could be sentenced as an adult. In June of 2015, a district court judge denied a defense motion to remove the Bristol County District Court's office from the prosecution. The defense argued the DA, Thomas uh, M. Quinn III, should be removed because he was the first cousin of Conrad. Um, Conrad's grandmother, Janice Roy, and therefore Conrad's first cousin twice removed. However, Quinn had already handled the case, handed the case over to Deputy DA William Cacali on July 1st of 2016. An appeal to the grand jury indictment heard by the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court was also denied, allowing the case to go forward. So on July 5th, 2017, the day before the trial was scheduled to begin, Carter waived her right to a jury trial. Therefore, the case would only be heard by Judge Lawrence Moniz in the Bristol County Juvenile Court. Carter was represented, um, so she had two different attorneys. Um, there was a limited legal precedent for prosecuting because nobody had ever been charged with this before. Right. So the, they were arguing, her attorneys were arguing that the, her text messages were protected under her First Amendment rights. Mm -hmm. 
but because there was such a lengthy, lengthy text history showing that Roy had contemplated suicide without Carter's input, the judge declined that this be overthrown. He was, they were like, this has been going on for weeks, where all of a sudden now she's like trying to talk him into doing it. So on July, or June 16th, 2017, Carter was found guilty of involuntary manslaughter. He stated prior to his ruling that that was Carter's, it was Carter's phone call with Roy telling him to get back into his truck and gassing himself as described by Carter's text to her friend that her boyfriend gassed himself rather than the preceding text messages that caused him to go through with killing himself. Uh, they found that Roy had broken the chain of self-causation towards his suicide when he exited the truck. But Carter urging him back into the truck is the reckless encouragement causing his death. Mm-hmm. Carter remained free on bail pending her sentencing. On August 3rd of 2017, she was sentenced to serve two and a half year term with 15, minutes, or 15 months to be served at the uh, House of Corrections. The rest of the balance was suspended and five years of probation will be served. Soon after the sentencing was handed down, Carter's lawyers asked to issue a stay of sentence until all of Carter's um, court appeals could be exhausted. So they were like, instead of sending yeah. her to court, we need to do all of our appeals first. So on February 6, 2019, the Massachusetts Supreme Court ruled that Carter acted with criminal intent when she encouraged Roy into suicide. So her involuntary uh, manslaughter conviction was ordered to stand, and her 15-month prison sentence would be enforced um, in the near future from that from that hearing. The rest of the two and a half year sentence was suspended following a five year following her five years of probation. Under order of Massachusetts judge Carter began serving her sentence on February 11, 2019. But Carter had a parole hearing uh, for early release, and her request was denied in September of 2019. Carter's lawyers petitioned the Cates to the Supreme Court for the United States in July of 2019 based on her First Amendment and Fifth Amendment grounds. Carter's defense attorneys argued that Roy had a history of suicide attempts and the decision to end his life was his own and that Carter had bewildered over the case towards her and that taking the text in, in the context, she was trying to talk him out of it. I mean, that's not how I would take those texts. But okay. So the initial hearing that defendant was broken, uh, that they had broken no law, but the First Amendment right of speech and that she was a juvenile, it was declined and in 2022, leaving her in place of her conviction. January 23rd, 2020, Carter was released from prison um, more than three months early due to good conduct. Massachusetts state law allows inmates to reduce their sentence by 10 days per month for exp- I mean, say that word wrong. For good behavior. Mm-hmm. Carter served. Or, i.e., prison overcrowding. Right. Carter served 11 months and 12 days of her 15 month sentence and is, has, is now serving five years probation. Do you know what she's doing now? Uh, there's lots of pictures of her gardening. Hmm. Give it to me, baby. What's your opinion and thoughts on that? <sighs> I have so many opinions. I wonder, sometimes I wish that I had kind of a heads up on on what cases you're bringing me so that I could be a little bit more educated in my rebuttal statements. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, 
though in is this was in Massachusetts mm -hmm. what the law is there um, for mandatory reporting because in the state of Wyoming our law states that everyone every citizen in the state of Wyoming is a mandatory reporter mandatory reporter of child abuse of self-harm intent to self-harm or intent to harm someone else therefore if we know that someone is being abused if someone is going to commit suicide or is going to kill someone they tell us that and we do not contact law enforcement we can be charged with it yeah. it's a great law mm -hmm. social responsibility forced social responsibility it is a great law I agree with that um so i wonder what the law I wonder, I wonder if A, Massachusetts has a law similar to that, and B, like how cases like this influence laws in other states to prevent this sort of bullshit. Because to say that she wasn't responsible for his death is complete and utter ridiculousness. Yeah. When you, when you are with, oh gosh, kids and their damn mouths, people and their damn mouths, like, if you don't like him and you want him to die, just leave. Just get on with your life and go about your, your stinking business. But, I mean, clearly he loved her and respected her enough to continue to listen to her. Clearly. And her, I don't even know. And for being 17 years old, and she's out. Yeah. I mean, sociopath. I mean, I'm not diagnosing I mean, honestly, her. Though, I'm just saying, like... like the whole like it almost is like she wanted to be a victim she mm -hmm. wanted something traumatic to happen like conrad killing himself so that she could be like i said how the world viewed her how her friends viewed her as this horribly grieving tragic okay girlfriend. but there's a, there's a i mean how the world views you she's gonna know the damn truth like i you seriously like you've got to be some kind of sociopath to want to want notoriety over the death of someone. The death. Mm -hmm. And then for her to be saying, you know, but I love you. Well, I love you. When are you going to go kill yourself? I love you. I'm here for you. You know, the, the psychological abuse in that. So, I mean, now I recant my statements about the, the you know, medication being. <laughs> 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 because, you know, I... I don't know. I mean, I look at, you know, my relationship with my significant other. And I think if every time I spoke to him, he was telling me the world would be better without you. Why don't you just go kill yourself? I love you, but come on, babe. Like you're, you know, nobody really wants you here. You're worthless. I mean, I just think Your about the first second. without you. Yeah, I'll I'll take care of the kids. I'll take care of everything. Like, just please just go and take care of it. If he said that to me over and over and over again, I'm not saying that I wouldn't swallow a bullet. I'm serious. Yeah. If your husband spoke to you like that. Oh, 100%. And, and if you didn't say anything, because I know damn well if you would say, hey, my husband is saying this to me. I mean, he would be, you know, at a minimum castrated. I'm not making a threat. <laughs> but literally, like, you know, I would probably hit him over the head with a brick. 
I'm now I'm like threatening people on the oh air. My gosh. I but you know what I mean? Like it's it's not it's uncalled for and it 100%. does psychological damage to people. And I I mean I just you know that's the only reference point that I can have that to. I mean somebody who because I mean he and I have been together about this length of time. I mean not we're not together. It's a, like it's complicated. It's super complicated. <laughs> it's the it's the greatest situation ship of all time. <laughs> but but if he cuz we've, you know, about the same length of time. If he was saying that to me, Sam, I don't know. I do know. I mean, that would wear you down after a period of time. And she was freaking relentless. Every other fucking text. She was relentless about it. And there was, to me... And he there was multiple times of intervention where, where I'm going, you know, with my mom to the beach. I'm going here. He did not want to. To me, there was a... I think that he was sad. I don't put that... I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree that he sounds like a very sad kid. You bet. But also... He wasn't, he was like the normal, you know, like not the normal, but like, like you said, there's so many people out there that have like, like there's mm-hmm. days that I'm depressed. You bet. I'm sad sometimes. We're you all bet. super sad sometimes. But to me, he's worried about his family, how his family is going to recover. He's worried. He's thinking those rational thoughts of what, when, to me, when people get to the point where they act, they commit suicide. They're no longer thinking about the repercussions of that. Well, that's not and necessarily he's true. Thinking about that's not necessarily why he doesn't true. want to do there, that. There, there is a difference. It's one word: suicidal. Right? There's, mm-hmm. there's one word that encompasses a lot. There's a lot under that, and there's different levels. Um, when, when it's, when it's a massive like crisis situation, is when there's a plan, mm-hmm. right? Because there was an article that I read and I wish that I could remember where it was, but there was an article that I read that said out of suicide survivors, um, that said they would not have attempted suicide. They had the, the, the degree, gosh, I'm trying to remember exactly what it said and I'm going to quote this wrong, but, um, they would not have actually carried through their plan if even one person would have waved at them or acknowledged them that they that they the day that they did it, and out of all of those suicide survivors, also they said they didn't want to die, they wanted the pain to end, right? And they didn't know how to get it to end, right? And suicide very much, all it does is transfer your pain to somebody else, and people acknowledge that, right? But being suicidal, being so sad that you really just don't want to be here anymore and actually carrying through with it, you know, is a battle in your, is in your brain, right? Mm-hmm. But when you have some person, especially one who's saying, I love you, that you've invested your emotions and your everything into, that's saying, just go do it. Well, shit, here's this person that's supposed to love me, my person, my most trusted person. That I've confided in all of these things. All in. of these things. And she's saying that she wants me to do it. So I might as well. Well, and the whole beginning of like, we can Romeo and Juliet this. She's very much still alive. 
Very much so. She wanted him to die. And, and that's the other thing is, had he told anyone about these conversations with her or what their plan was, this situation would be completely different. Had he told his mama or his dad or his grandma or his therapists or his doctors, in the state of Wyoming anyway, the outcome of this would be significantly different. That this is that is awful. It's horrible. It's, it's horrible. And that's the thing. And it, to me, though, like when I read through those, like, like you were just saying, the people that have said if one person, like his mom, being like, "I really want you to go to the beach with me today," and he's like, "Well, like I, I'm gonna go to the beach with my mom. I can't kill myself because I have plans with my mother. Because my mom wants to spend time with me. I can't do this. Like my yeah. best friend is like, he had people like." That loved and cared for him. That, that genuinely, genuinely loved yeah. and cared about him. And then you just have this vile human that, like, I don't even know, like, in, because this isn't that long ago. In this world where, like we just said, everybody feels like this sometimes. At some point everybody in another, does. absolutely. I cannot even, like, it makes me emotional, fathom saying those things to another human being. No. I don't care if they're, like, my worst enemy. I would never say those things no. to someone else. No. So, to me, she's disgusting. Yes. And I hope... And at 17, and, I mean, mm-hmm. I... And, and she gets to, you know, garden and have freedom and live her life. When she is, she's responsible for this. Mm-hmm. She could have prevented it. And I say this all the time. You've heard me and say this multiple times. I say this to my kids all the time. If you do nothing to stop something that is vile, then you are just as guilty as the person who's doing it. If you walk by someone who is getting beaten, if you just walk by them or somebody who's having a heart attack or somebody who needs help, if you just walk by it and you don't do anything to help them, you are just as bad as the person who's doing it, in my opinion. Yeah. Social responsibility. Well, and her threats of... Well, if you don't get it done, I mean, I get you help. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Okay, you should... Michelle Carter. Seriously, enjoy your life, Michelle Carter. And I just, I can't even imagine, like, his mom, like, this woman shows up and is, like, heartbroken and da-da-da. And then months later, you find out she sent those to, after you get to uh, know her. After she sits at his funeral and cries and weeps and hugs his mother and... Sociopath. I'm not diagnosing her. I'm just saying, man... I can't even imagine what your response, like what her his mother's response had to have been when the police were. Or like, anybody who even cared about him. I like can't anybody. Imagine. That's re- yeah. Well, that's disturbing. Thanks for bringing that one. But it's a good case to talk about, and you know, like so maybe bullying think twice and if you're text gonna... messages and you know cyberbullying and all of that crap. That that shit is real. Yeah. You know, keep your kids in check. So think about that before you send horrible text messages to people. Not that we all haven't done it, but I don't think but I've ever sent it. Not to that extent, but we've all said stuff that that we should. Let's not progressively text people for weeks on end, telling them to kill themselves. Ever, ever. There is no reason for that. Ever. Ugh. All right. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Stay safe.